So when we were going through whatever we were going through, I'm just like, I fucking hate this guy, but fuck it. You never threw the D word at me? Never. During our fight? You did that. Oh, shit, Every did. single time. <laughs> Every this. single yeah. fucking time. Yeah. Hi there, lovers and friends, and welcome to Lovers and Friends, a podcast where each episode is like a box of intimacy chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. We talk about sex, relationships, and connections, topics that I have devoted my life to. And in case you're only here for this week's guests, which are Bart and Gio, and you have no clue who the fuck I am, I'm Sham Boudram, an intimacy expert and sexologist who, for the past 15 years, has been on a mission to take topics that are usually seen as taboo and tackle them with the public in a smart, fun, and dare I say, sexy way. With sexy in mind, let's get on with the question of today's episode. Is it healthy to think and talk about breaking up with the person that you have identified as your life partner? In other words, when we say I do, should we also mutter under our breaths until I don't? You have no class, Thornton, and I am tired of it. I want a divorce. Divorce? I knew we had something in common. Hey, sign these. Lovers and friends. Lovers and friends. I'ma take you on a trip, baby. I don't pretend. I said, love is a friend. I'ma hold you down, down to the end. I hope that I never forget this night. I was sitting in the passenger seat of our white convertible, Jared and I's first car together, and we're driving along the back streets of Hollywood. Now, I can't remember what we were talking about or what he had just said, but I do vividly remember turning and looking at him and saying, you're the first person I've ever known who I know loves me and believes in the goodness of me like they believe in air. I don't ever feel like I have to audition for your approval or for your love. Thank you. That right there is the moment that Jared went from being my boyfriend to my life partner, even though it took us a couple of years or a year and a half after that to actually get engaged. Now, I wish I could tell you that that night was also the last time that I thought of ending my relationship, but it's not. I think about divorce a lot. Now, recently I identified this as something that I wanted to work on. I made a promise to myself that I was going to stop using that word as a mental scapegoat, but I guess I'm not that great at making promises to myself because I thought about divorce yesterday. The moment I knew I wanted a divorce was the day we walked into David Buster's. He looked at me, he wanted me to order the food, get the tickets, figure it out and kind of lead the date. And I just knew I wasn't in love with him anymore and he was just my friend. Well, the truth is I I didn't actually want to get married in the first place. And I just thought I got to a point in this relationship where If I don't leave, either he's going to hurt me or I'm going to hurt myself. So I finally left with nothing more than my PJs, which I was wearing at the time, and my handbag and never looked back. That skin crawling moment when your lover touches you, it was like you just knew. You know, the body keeps score. (laughs) Um, It was clear as day. The moment that I knew I wanted a divorce was actually this past weekend when I learned that my spouse has been having an affair for roughly the last two months. I would say divorce changed me for the better. It pushed me to go to therapy. It pushed me to grow and it pushed me to become a better version of me and really seek out 
what it was in life that I wanted. Divorce came up various times throughout our marriage, especially when we were arguing. We always said it was easy to get married. It's going to be even easier to get a divorce. We went to the courthouse for our wedding. We can go to the courthouse for the divorce. We already know where it is. We have since been working with individual and couples therapists to figure out our issues and why we were coping the way we were coping. And we're happier than ever. Five years in and going strong. This episode is a lot for me. First and foremost, a lot of pride because it's a damn good episode that is just driven by great discussion and I know will drive great discussion in your own world. And if you think so too, please do not forget to rate this podcast on Apple Podcasts. That makes a big, big difference. Um, But also it's a lot for me because I feel a lot. Um, Before we dive into that F, let's ground this discussion in some facts. And here are some fun facts about divorce that I gathered from the CDC, the PEW Research Center, and the U.S. Census Bureau. Fun fact number one, there is a seasonal spike in divorces in the U.S. More people file for divorce between January and March than at any other time of the year, which to me means this episode is right on time. Fun fact number two, recent divorce rates suggest a decrease in the number of people dissolving their marriage since 1990. The actual percentage of marriages that end in divorce in the U.S. varies between 40 and 50 percent, which means that you are statistically more likely to stay married than you are to dissolve your marriage, which is good news because you probably grew up in the generation of half of all marriages end in divorce. Millennial divorce rate is lower than those of their predecessors. People born between 1981 and 1996 are showing lower rates of divorce than older age groups. People who get married in their late 20s or early 30s are statistically less likely to get divorced. The average length of a marriage in the U.S. is 8.2 years, and some scholars actually estimate this is closer to seven years because it takes around a year to complete a divorce, which speaks to the seven-year itch, which definitely is going to be a podcast episode in the near future. The number one reason for divorce in America, I'm sorry, I lost count of what fun fact number we're on. The number one reason for divorce in America is basic incompatibility. 43% of research participants cited this is the reason as their primary decision to get divorced. Infidelity and money issues were also highly relevant, as well as parenting differences, addiction, and abuse are also commonly cited. And the last fact that I thought was interesting and wanted to share, and arguably is what this episode is all about, arguably, remarriage increases the risk of divorce. According to the Census Bureau, the rate of divorce increases in relation to how many times you've been married before. This means the more you marry, the more likely you are to divorce. Which kind of circles us back to the question of the episode. Is keeping divorce in mind and conversation a recipe for a self-fulfilling prophecy? Or is it a modern, smart, and self-empowered approach to attempting life partnerships? And like many questions posed on this podcast, I totally see both sides. And furthermore... And unfortunately, I live both sides. I say unfortunate because I'm not in this marriage alone. And being all in one day and ready to check out the very next is shitty and exhausting. But in my defense, I'm genuinely working on it. Right now, I have two competing truths. 
Truth number one, I don't have the answers when it comes to the afterlife, but in this life, I firmly believe that it is every individual's right and responsibility to do whatever it is in their power to reach their potential, their potential for joy, their potential for their purpose and their personhood. And in order to make true to this vow to yourself, you need to constantly assess where you're opting in and be ready to opt out of things that are no longer serving you. And for this reason, I have said several times before that I don't subscribe to the value system of loyalty because loyalty states what was will be. And in order for me to achieve my potential, I cannot base my decisions on what was. I have to constantly be assessing what is. So in essence, my value system has been that I am devoted to the things and the people that I know I can serve and in turn who I know are sufficiently serving me, which also means that while I'm not looking for an exit, I'm prepared for one at all times. And the other part of me, I'll say the newer part of me, is fully aware that this mindset is 100% based in fear and not in love. And fear is not a bad thing especially when you are in unstable, unpredictable, dangerous environments. Fear actually is the difference between life and death. Back in the day in the wild, the more anxious and the more fearful and cautious somebody was, the more likely they were to survive because they were always on alert for something going wrong and had contingency plans put in place as a result for how they were going to bring themselves to safety. And a big part of that mindset is me looking for a way to put myself in a position of safety but I'm not living in the wild. And furthermore, with time and as a result of the privileges that I was bestowed with, I can now really confidently say that I am not in environments or relationships that I would classify as unpredictable, as unstable, or potentially dangerous or harmful. So why do I still need to keep this backdoor option open? And so I wonder, If at this point in my life, keeping the option to divorce alive and kicking in my realm of possibilities, if it's a form of self-love and self-protection or self-sabotage. To talk about this further, I invited my great friends, Bart Kwan and Gio Antoinette Kwan to the podcast. You might know them from JK News, JK Films, um, Ask the Feels, which is how I was first introduced to them. And you might also know them from admiring their family. They are, to me, hashtag couple goals and family goals. They have a beautiful son, a beautiful home, a great life together, a thriving business. And now they also have a podcast called Get Close, which you are definitely going to want to subscribe to after you listen to this interview. In our chat, we explore how their divorce scare has reframed what couple goals means to them now. Before we really dive into this, let's show some love for our sponsors. Can I just say the trust that was given to me? Because you guys didn't ask what it is I wanted to talk about. And we don't give a fuck. No. Yeah, we, we love you. Yeah, we you could stare at our assholes all you want. We're we're here. We're here for oh, it. I would love to stare at your asshole. <laughs> she has a nice butthole for us. <laughs> really? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I appreciate that. Thank you, baby. I want to talk about divorce a little bit. I mean, we were um, millennials, so the generation before us is the divorce generation. Yeah. And my parents stayed together, but my parents were divorces on the table all the time. I we have a joke. My parents get like to, the literal paperwork. 
pro- I mean, no, more like, I don't think I've ever gotten the papers. Or just throwing that word around. Throwing that word around I constantly. Um, it's just a part of, of how their relationship dynamic was. And so I recognize how that's showing up now in my marriage. But I'm curious for you guys, what was your relationship with divorce growing up? And what was your idea of divorce before you got married? Man, our relationship took so many twists and turns and just kind of like how it was raised. So I was raised very like the man's the head of the household. That that was our dynamic. And my mom was very submissive to that. And she allowed a lot of that. And she instilled in all of us that you need a man. Like you always need a man to protect you and you know, to hold things down and make the big decisions. And I always resented that. I always hated that. Um, but the older I got, I saw that I, I kind of had that mindset too. As much as I hated it, I like, there were certain decisions that I would make that I'm like, fuck, like I'm turning into that. So when him and when Bart and I got together, um, I really wanted to support him and support his goals and stuff. And I really did lose myself in a lot of that because I wanted to build, you know, his dreams and his vision. And then after a while, I'm like, holy shit, I'm not happy in this relationship because our relationship started really suffering because I really wanted to be his business partner and just be his equal in that regard. Again, because I had that mindset of like the woman's beneath the man, you know, and I didn't even I didn't even know that was putting myself in that subconscious. Yeah. And then I want to say like in 2016, when our relationship really got bad, like we weren't being intimate. We we really I at least I can only speak for myself. Like I would look at him and I knew I loved him, but I just really hated him and I really despised him. And I. I didn't want to be intimate with him. I didn't want to be romantic with him. But divorce was never an idea in my head. Like it was never anything I ever thought about. It was never even real. Like I knew other people did that and other families and and my friends came from that environment, but I just didn't know how to wrap my brain around it because I just didn't grow up with it. The older I got, I'm talking about like in high school, uh, college i'm like yo i think you guys can get divorced now because my mom's excuse all the time or reason whatever we want to call it is that she's like i don't want to break up the family dynamic i don't want you to grow up in a broken home like i'm doing it for you guys so seeing that self-sacrifice as i got older i was really grateful for that because it taught me I mean, it could it could have gone both ways, right? Like I could have been in a very toxic relationship, and all I know to do is to stay. Mm-hmm. But lucky for me, I didn't end up in a in a relationship that that way. That you know, when we were going whatever through whatever we were going through, it was more like, well, I need to stick it out. Like he's my person, and I want to stick it out, and I know that it, you know we can overcome it. So divorce was never a thought in my head. So during that time when you were like, I don't like myself, I don't like you, I don't like what we share. Yeah. That wasn't a word that you were like, this is the solution? No, never. And that was probably really unhealthy. You know, that probably added to more of the shit that I was feeling. But Are your parents still together? Yes. Well, my dad passed, but yes, they're together. So when you told your mom, like, you can get divorced now, she was like, no. Yeah, she's like, why would I do that? And then it was really cool because um, when I was in my late 20s, early 30s, they kind of like rekindled their relationship and then because it was just them two now at home because all my brothers and sisters had moved out they had their families or their spouses and stuff um that now they started going on road trips they were being cute together it was the weirdest shit because i never saw that growing up so it's just ass grabbing ass grabbing like all of that stuff they were being like intimate again and i'm like oh shit that's that's beautiful so when we were going through whatever we were going through i'm just like i fucking hate this guy but fuck it you never threw the D word at me? Never. During our fights? You did that. Oh, sure Every did. single time. <laughs> Every <Catch this>. single <laughs> yeah. fucking time. Yeah. What about for you? 
So my parents are divorced. They got divorced when I was six. Um, and I just, leading up to that, there are fights all the time, people throwing shit all over the place, them yelling, cussing and all that. So that was, I guess, the norm to me. But when I got into a relationship and I always told myself, if I marry someone or if I dedicate myself to someone, I never, ever want to get divorced because I know the effects of it. Like, so me growing up as a- Interesting. Why? I thought you would have thought it would better. If your parents were throwing stuff, weren't you happy when they broke up? Like, Well, I also think, you know, when there's a, I feel like there's boundaries within yourself and within the relationship. And as I got older, I just saw them as not being able to control their emotions or manage them in a healthy way. So it just comes out in unhealthy ways. So to me, I think the divorce happened because you have- two idiots like trying to like fix a car you know people yeah. are gonna break a window throw a wrench because they're just dumb and so for me I'm like I think I'm better educated I've learned for a lot from watching them so if we ever get married um, I never want to get divorced mm -hmm. but of course there when we were in that period where we hated each other I did throw the d word around because in my opinion she was behaving in a way where I felt like she wanted to do it so I'm like, even though you're not saying the word, I'm Maybe. like, I'm That's like fair. yeah, if you're not saying, it doesn't matter if you're not saying the word, if you're being the biggest bitch in the world right now, or for the last like year, I think you want it. So you might as well just say it. So I did throw the word around, but I think at the same not time- Not because you felt like you would be better on the other side, but because you felt like it's what she wanted to be better on the other side. Yes, because I never, um, I never really believed in divorce, just also because like, Kind of like, you know, like the old school karate kid, like Mr. Miyagi, he makes him like paint a fence, right? And he hates painting the fence, but then he paints the fence enough to understand, oh shit, this is actually helping me. And now he loves to paint the fence because it helps him in karate. I feel like a lot of things in life are like that. Like it's really difficult. You don't understand why you can't wrap your brain around it. And if you quit, like all the fruits of your labor are actually on the other side. So unless you've completely exhausted you know, I don't think you should pull the plug on anything, mm -hmm. especially if there's not like actual physical damage. Like if she's beating my ass every day, if I'm beating her ass every day, it's like actually straight up abusive, get the fuck out of there, you know? But if it's just our use of language and our lack of empathy, like it, to me, it was very salvageable. And I just knew that at least with me and her in this meantime, we might be stuck in the trenches and it fucking sucks ass and it might seem hopeless, but if she's willing to fight on, I'm willing to fight on and let's see if we can, you know, get over this giant obstacle and get to where we really want to be. So, I mean, at the relationship still takes two because if she was like, I'm fucking out, there's nothing I could do. You know, mm -hmm. I'm like all my, all of my wants aren't applicable because now it's just marriage rape. You know, I'm like, we're, we're married no matter what, <laughs> you know? That's my wife over there. She's there with like a new family. <laughs> like that, that wouldn't work out. So um, yeah, for me, I think just being a product of divorce and seeing how ugly it gets and it never, ever got better. My parents, like even at our wedding, my dad's just sitting there minding his own business. And my mom like looks across the seat and she's like, <laughs> <laughs> just for no reason. I'm like, till this day, they fucking hate each other. And it's like 20, 30 years later, you know? But that's where divorce becomes a goal. Candace Owens did this video where she was talking about how 
You want to know why our grandparents stayed together? Because they, didn't, they weren't looking at ass cheeks all day on Instagram and, and refreshing it and going, oh, well, that girl looks younger. That girl looks better. That girl's face tuned. And it's like, yeah, but our grandparents were in some shitty ass relationships. Yeah. Yes. Not your grandparents. Some of them got their asses beat. Yeah. yeah. My I gran- mean, there was a every, lot of cheating, a lot of all a that. A lot of cheating, yeah. a lot of undermining. Uh, the woman never got to be herself. It was yeah. about mm-hmm. ownership. It was about identity loss. And mm-hmm. so marriage was a thing that you prioritized over your mental health and your physical health. Yeah, yeah. And I think that when we, our parents reclaimed it and were like, no, 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 no. If I don't feel happy in this relationship, I'm leaving. Like that's, there's something beautiful about that too. But I feel like now we have the burden of trying to marry those two generations together to see what makes the most sense for us. When I was going over your content and looking and seeing that it's so fascinating the business that you've built because on one hand, you are couple goals and you know that about yourself and Uh. you've got this perfect family, the ideal family. And I feel like the family vlog side really dives into that. Like this is the family that you wish you could be a part of. So how do you strike that balance between being couples goals, but also being vulnerable and honest because people need to hear that marriages aren't perfect. I never consider us couple goals. I'm always like, you know, I'm just like, we're trying to do the best we possibly can with the knowledge that we have in this, you know, this, this frame in time. Like, Technically, I think anything, anybody under 50 is young. And to be able to make like a decision at a, as a 20 or 30 year old that when you're 80 is going to go, good job. Yeah. That's the tough part. Like I'm always talking, like we we're, we're just talking about how, like how many conversations do we have with ourselves as like a 30 year old talking to my 80 year old and making sure I'm hooking up the 80 year old self. And he's going to be like, you know, when you're 30, you were smart. You weren't a dumbass, you know, mm. and that's, that's the tough part. But when you said yes, you said yes, being like my 80-year-old self is going to be 80 with this person. Yes, for me, yeah. I remember somebody described that, their marriage to me like that. Like year one was great. Year two was okay. Year three got kind of rocky. Year four, five, and six were terrible. But years seven through 12 were bliss. I'm like, do I have four, five, and six in (laughs) me? Like that's a long time to be miserable. But you know, you go to university and you don't, you may not necessarily enjoy the four years that you're there, but you come out of this with an experience that can hopefully enrich the rest of your life. Yeah. And so maybe there are marriage universities, but it's tricky because I still have the programming from my parents of like, if it's not working for you, you can always leave. Yeah. And I'm always, I I wonder about that because- And you're your own professor. Yes. That's the tough part where like, you might be in the fucking thick of your relationship. Not only are your own professor, you're also your own student. So like maybe what you really need to get past this is actually more homework. But as your own professor, I'm like, man, fuck homework, you know, because what maybe what really needs to happen is both of us just get on our knees and really apologize to each other, whether we mean it or not. Or, you know, I don't know, whatever, like deep, like internal work we need to do. But sometimes your ego is so high or just so fucking pissed, so hurt that you're like, fuck that fool. Fuck everyone else. I don't give a fuck, you know, and then that could be the worst thing ever, but that's the hard part of a relationship where you are calling your own shots. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, in success, your partner's also calling you on shit too. And they're being your professor and they're holding you accountable, but it's hard to do when you guys don't have that space where you trust each other. Yes. And I've been there before. Cause I know like I lived with somebody previously where it was a terrible relationship that I was still trying to get married to that person just because we had put in time and it felt like the right thing to do. And they had a kid that I was involved with that kid's life. So it felt like responsible to like, we should show a certain example. But I also know on the other side of that, like I give the analogy a lot, like I could be an accountant. Sure. Anybody could do any job, but I would be miserable at that job. So I always try to ask myself, like, is the best version of me possible with this configuration? And I 
think that I want to reserve the right if the day comes where I genuinely believe the answer is no, that I would leave. That's dope, though, because that meant that you had a really secure sense of yourself and you really look up to yourself like you really love yourself. Right. Because when we were going through the thick of it and I really hated him, I think I really hated myself. I think I was really down on myself and I don't know if I would have had that same conversation. I think I think for me, I had lost so much of myself, you know, trying to help him build whatever it is that he was building. And I had so much. I don't know. I really looked up to him and I really respected him that it got to the point where I really just didn't respect myself. So I don't know if I if I would have been able to walk away like that and having the programming that I had of my mom going like, that's fine. You're supposed to put yourself down anyway. You know? Yeah. So I think I think it's it's like, how do you get yourself there? Do you think if you would have had the mindset that divorce is on the table, you wouldn't have had the stick to to push through that time? I think for me, I always look for the flight attendant in myself. You know when like you're on a plane <laughs> yes. and there's turbulence, right? You're like, oh shit, what the fuck? And you see the flight attendant, she's just chilling. She's just like, whatever, right? Just eating popcorn or peanuts. You're like, yeah. oh, this is, this is actually nothing. But then if you see her, oh fuck, oh fuck, what the fuck? You're like, oh, this is some crazy shit. So I like to use like my, like my mirror of how I deal with, with things and other aspects of my life. So like if I'm like a little bitch and like four other things, then like let's say I'm feeling kind of icky here. I'm like, I think I'm just being a little bitch because I'm, I'm actually have a consistent behavior of being a little bitch and not only just this, but also this and this and this and this. So all those flight attendants tell me I, I just freak out way too easily. So I will suppress my own emotions uh, because of that. But if... Um, if I feel like I have strong flight attendants in myself for other regards, and in this part, it really just feels turbulent and I've tried everything, mm -hmm. then I'd be like, you know what? I think I, I actually, yeah. <laughs> Cause like, yeah, if, if like, if you're a Kobe at everything and then who's like notorious for shooting a thousand free throws after every game, right? If, if you're a Kobe at everything and then in this one instance, you're like, you know what? I'm going to take two days off. You probably really need those two days off because so I, I try to look to, I try to read the signs and I try Bart, not. I have been, I'm lost in this metaphor now. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's two days off divorce. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a flight attendant, Kobe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I try to, I try to, uh, I try to look at like other, other more objective markers in myself rather than going straight to my emotions to see if I'm doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's how I, I would view it. That's dope. I don't know how you do that. Now, I'm very emotional. I mean, as you can see, he's very logical and he approaches a lot of things very logically. And I don't know how to do that. Um, I feel everything first and then I feel it really big. And then I need those two days off, even though I'm not Kobe. And I'm like, I need to really assess the fucking situation. Um, and, and no, but because my mom had that, you know, she taught or she showed us that, then for me, it was like, well, I guess I'll figure it out. Like, you know, I know. So for me to even just to kind of backtrack for me to even get in a relationship, it's already hard because I just don't, you know, vibe with just anyone. So the fact that I was able to vibe with him and then feel that soulmate connection, I'm like, okay, well, this is worth sticking it out. Yeah. I think to me, I don't think divorce is out of the question completely. Cause I think of course there's like very clear, um, like just fuck no boundaries. Like if she was an alcoholic mother, we're done. You know, I'm taking the kid, that's it. So I think for sure there's always the list of things that are like, as soon as this happens, there's no questions asked. The divorce is for sure the only option. But 
thankfully everything that we dealt with was something that was that could be communicated that could be salvageable that we could work on and so um i don't i think we stuck really really hard to it yeah because you guys have built your life on a foundation of like if we break this up this is going to be bad in many different areas to a lot of different people to a lot of different people which I think is actually kind of beautiful because it just goes to show the fact that you're like, we're not building this as if this is ever going to be dismantled. Yeah. Yeah. So when we're 80, y'all are going to be still together. I hope so. What the fuck? What, what do you mean? Of course we are. It depends on what the flight attendant Kobe Bryant says. I don't <laughs> hey, know. we even talked about what's dope is what I love about Bart is he's even down to like, so right now we're very traditional and we're very just him and I, but he's like, Hey, if you wanted to open this up, not now, but he's like, if we ever get there where we need to just open up our relationship to other people, because now our sex life or our intimacy level is dropping and we need to learn from other people. Let's do that. And I'm like, what? Well, that's like the uh, Jada Pinkett and Will Smith thing that they stopped calling each other husband and wife. They started referring to each other as life partners. I think for both me and her, our approach has never really been like, focusing on how things are done, but what we're trying to achieve. So if what we're trying, because I think a lot of people focus on the how, like, Mm -hmm. oh, you're supposed to do this and I'm supposed to do this and we look like this and then that's what achieves what our goal is. But I think it's the other way around. You need to figure out what you actually want and then figure out the best way to get there. Well, what is your guys' what? I think being happy when we're 80 and being very uh, open with each other and still being soulmates and um, like being very connected uh, and being each other's best friends. Absolutely. Yeah. With piles of money and a very <laughs> successful child and many businesses and... Not really. Not really. If we can simplify it and like, you know, one of his dreams is to live in Hawaii. But like for me is like, I just want to coast. I just want to relax. I just want to do fun shit. Whatever that is. If it is building more businesses, then I'll do that. But if it's, uh, if it's just tanning every single day and learning how to do yoga and getting all bendy, then I want to do that. Yeah, like money is just kind of a result of the work that we put in, but it's not anything we're really like striving to get. Like there's no like number that we're like, we want to get that type of money. Yeah, like since day one, we've called our relationship a cardboard box relationship because we're like, if it ever happens where it's just you and me living in a cardboard box, we'll be just as happy. It'll be us two and Taika in a cardboard box, maybe over there. And just be, you know, just as happy as never really. Well, not over here. Oh, come on. I thought we were friends. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, (laughs) I thought we were friends. So you be inside. You definitely be inside. Thank you. I make a room for you. Which is fascinating. Just to kind of tie everything together. Because the two of you are bonded through business. And you love each other for that part. But that, to you, is disposable. Anytime. We don't give a fuck about any other business, to be honest. It's really about us. Because for us, I think... We believe in each other's capabilities. We love each other. And we know that if everything got burnt to the ground, we can start anything back up at any time. And we have the biggest trust and we're the biggest fans of each other. So business, money, any material thing, we don't really care about at all. We just care about loving each other. Well, yeah. And yeah. you had the nerve to sit here and be like, oh, we're not couples goals. We don't consider ourselves <laughs> couples goals. Well, we're not. We're all we're- I want to do is just see you be your best person at 80. <laughs> and that's what drives me every morning. No, I still fucking hate his gut sometimes. He still gets on my damn nerves. You know what I mean? Maybe it helps that we're not super like, oh, I love this man so much that whatever, you know? And then every time we're together, we're always like, all over each other maybe that's what helps because i can imagine a couple that starts off that way and is very physical and it's very expressive i can see how that can be become really hard if they're going through some shit mm. but we've never really been like that so maybe that's why it worked out for us yeah if anything i think we've been roasting each other since day one so i think that's the relationship <laughs> yeah
Thank you so much to Gio and Bart Kwan for an incredible conversation. I've listened to this interview so many times and I, I laugh out loud every single time that I do. And I also reflect out loud. Um, you can continue to follow their journey on their vlog YouTube channel, Bart and Gio, or on Instagram at Bart Kwan and at Gio underscore Antoinette. And like I said, you have got to check out their brand new podcast called Get Close, available on YouTube if you like video or wherever you're listening to audio right now, if that's your preference. You all know that this podcast isn't complete without letting you into my own unplugged conversations with my lovers. So let's bring out my ultimate lover, my life partner, and my husband, Jared Brady, as well as my sister, Lauren Morrison, and her life partner, her ultimate lover, and her husband, Chris Morrison. Today, collectively, Christopher Morrison, Lauren Morrison, Jared Brady, Shannon Brady, we are sitting here collectively to talk about divorce. divorce. It wasn't really like a join-in thing. I thought, you were saying, I thought you were saying all of our names for all of us to talk about well, the same. No, yeah, I we was, should probably all do it together. I was introducing... Divorce. <laughs> this didn't go well, so let's just move on. Can let's we do just this? skate past. You want to try take, one more time? Take two. Yes, go ahead. Jared Brady. Hey, I'm Shannon Brady. This is Lauren Morrison. This is Christopher Morrison. And today we are come together to discuss Divorce. divorce. What? And now you're going to do it? I thought that the whole point was <laughs> I that we were, we were all no, doing it. Shannon and I were on the same page. Chris, could do Chris you thought it was going to be collective, right? I did. Oh, I thought you just I scolded me. I, I issued that's a it, I want a divorce. <laughs> I issued a decree. This is why people get divorced, because I can't follow Shannon instructions. And I, you, should, you and I should switch sides. <laughs> you know what, actually, interestingly, today we did, was that today or yesterday? All the days are one now. But <laughs> She never leaves. Here's an interesting... Um, commonality they have they mm. both got married at age 27 oh and they both met you and i at age 24 really yeah. yes that's really bizarre right wow yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's gonna work trauma bond over that <laughs> well because they were discussing the fact that you have to speed up to the older person's timeline you do yeah yeah and Good. we are the we're the elders <laughs> thank you thank you <laughs> I own my elderness. I own my, my elderness elder. too. Yeah. I'm quite I'm quite comfortable in my elderly age. And Jared, I welcome you to the thirty plus club. I'm here. Yeah, very nice He's to have you. He's already 30 plus. He's 30 uh, plus. Yeah, what happened? Did it 30? <laughs> to 30? <laughs> In your 31st year of life, my friend. That's what the olders do. They round you up. Yeah, yeah stop that. Stop yeah. the olders. Stop we that. like the elders, not the olders. Exactly. <laughs> so that um, episode, um, you guys got a chance to listen to it. I'd love just to hear some initial reflection points. Our original gut check on it was that very relatable conversation, absolutely, as people who have been married. Uh, I think that where we kind of lost, the, there was this one moment in the episode. Chris is looking at you like, say the right things. <laughs> Not at all. She's speaking for both of us. So go ahead, dear. How much time did I leave for you to jump in? No, no, you just said us. Uh, so go ahead. You just sum it all oh, up for gosh. us. Oh, gosh. Okay. What do we believe, honey? <laughs> what do I think, Lauren? <laughs> So there was this moment where Bart was talking about how him and Gio are like a paper box, no, a, a cardboard box couple, because they could be living in a cardboard box 
it'd be just fine and still love each other. Nah. And in that moment, I was like, I guarantee Chris doesn't feel this way. And so I asked him right away. I'm like, are we a cardboard box couple? He's like, absolutely not. No, it's not <laughs> no. a thing, right? No, no. no, I can't get with that. Um, but I, I respect it. And I think it's in a testament to their relationship, but I call cap. Right. Well, does that mean that if we lose financial stability, that would be cause for you to want, would money be the thing that breaks us up? I don't think money's going to be the thing that breaks us up, but um, I think uh, uh, poor decisions would be the reason that we would break up because I don't think that we would end up in a cardboard box by making healthy decisions for us individually and us as a couple. And so if we ever got to a place where we were living on the street in a cardboard box, I think that that has a testament to either one of our characters that is not conducive of a, of a healthy relationship. So Insightful. But um, I think Lauren coming back for a moment it's not that i think we'd be together it's not as if i would leave you well hang on hang on when you get to a certain stage in life you have a a a sort of level of expectation about the creature comforts things that you want to live with enjoy and if you were to fall it's that fall that will traumatize the relationship is divorce a thought for you regularly in your marriage uh no I I also do, but I do give myself the space to go there if I need to. I think a lot of times when people hear divorce, they think of failure. So if that thought creeps into your mind, you're, we're tempted to shove it out. Like, no, I can't think that. But I, I, I haven't thought that in our relationship, but I also, I would allow myself to go there because I am not afraid of divorce. And I think it is because I witnessed two divorces. And so it's something that I think is normal almost in my lifespan or what I've experienced growing up. And did you see the divorces that you saw as a positive thing? Like, thank goodness that they divorced. As I matured, yes, uh, I can see how the divorce was beneficial for the individuals. Uh, Similar to Jared, I don't fear it. I've actually been divorced. So I, I understand sort of how it happens and how some how a couple can be misaligned from the very beginning and why it may make sense um, or how they change over time and why it can result. Uh, I will say that I've seen the positive of divorce as well. My mom and my dad were divorced and it was such a better relationship for her uh, or, or a better a better outcome for her. I saw it as a, a true positive. Uh, is it something that's on the table for us? From my perspective, I'd say seven years ago, there was a, an inflection point. Uh, we, you know, we were, you know, uh, growing in different ways. We had a growing family. I wanted to focus on career. There were a few things that were happening at the same time. But after that, after we cleared that, we, we both put it out on the table. We adjusted our expectations and then we moved on. And I, I think now it's not, it's not something that's on the table for me. When you go and you're in conflict with that person, mm-hmm. does it creep into your mind? Not for me. <laughs> Interestingly enough. Yeah. Uh, no, <laughs> I'm, I'm speaking actually more so, I think for mm-hmm. myself, that it does creep into my mind a lot in conflict. I think it has a lot to do with the way that we were raised and maybe a little bit to do with fear of my brain immediately wants to tell itself, like, You'll, you're fine by yourself. You can do this by mm-hmm. yourself. Is it a thing where you want to beat me to the punch? Like, like I'm I want to dump it. you before you dump yeah. me. No, it's not that at all. It's more like, I don't need you. Mm-hmm. I think that's where it comes from. Mm-hmm. That like, I don't need somebody. And if somebody hurts me or makes me feel uncomfortable, it's okay because I don't need people anyways. But the real truth is I do. 
and I happily need you. And I said yes to marriage with you, not because I was like, we'll see how it goes. I did it because I was like, I wanna see this thing through to the end. Whereas like, remember when I was pregnant and I got really mad and I locked myself in that room for like hours. Yes. And I, <laughs> I genuinely was like, pack your bags. This is it. You can do this. And I would talk myself like really to a, a, a much lengthier extent. Whereas now, as soon as I feel the feeling, I'm like, ah, you know what this is. And you can look at this rather than starting to mentally act on it anyways. Yeah. Chris, you have a real job. Um, yeah. <laughs> Unlike. <laughs> well, <laughs> we all work together. Wow. And so we're figuring it out. Thank but I you. mean, when you got to your job, it's a formal job that hires hundreds of thousands of employees. So they know mm -hmm. how to successfully manage that kind of relationship. Do you know what it would take for you to get fired? Sure. Ethical violations, human right, uh, let's say, not being respectful of, of human interaction, things of that nature. So yeah, it's pretty pretty straightforward. Do you think that people should enter marriages with those same that same information? Like, here's what it would take for us to get divorced. Absolutely. I mean, that's having that baseline understanding. The challenge is you're generally often not in a place at a very young age to be able to discern exactly what your must haves are or are not. For you, what was that what was that thing that had you known before in your first in your previous marriage, had you known before, maybe you wouldn't have made the decision to get married? Knowing the value for me personally, it was knowing the value of work. Having the, my partner understand the value that at a young age just because you're doing well doesn't mean you stop working. Watching my mom uh, having to, to work hard um, and to, to maintain the family, despite getting rid of my dad and, and divorcing him. I mean, having someone come into your life who doesn't share those values and not really knowing that until you're in the situation. Because we, we had a conversation prior to, we were both working when the relationship started. Right. And then it changed. Mm -hmm. Right. And that sort of struck a chord with me that I didn't even know was one of my showstoppers. Yeah. And that's only one thing, you know, excessive anger. <laughs> there's, a, there's, a, there's a few issues there. But I think, you know, there's a discovery process that you go through. Mm. You're, you're, you're now forming, you took two separate lives, you're bringing them together. And now you may not even know what your showstoppers are until they strike that chord. The showstopper for me would be if you stopped showing up um, with love towards me, that would be tough for me. What about injuries? Yeah, if, you, if you ruptured another Achilles, <laughs> I don't know that I can around. As much it's as It's funny because we went to Sky Zone and then Lauren was like, oh, I got to be uh, cautious of Chris. And she's like, I don't want him to get hurt. And I was like, he's fine. He's like, no, for me, I can't go through another foot break incident. Oh. <laughs> Um, for me, I, I don't, I don't know if it's a specific act that you can do. That would be a showstopper for me. I think it's a, a character pattern. Mm -hmm. If you continuing doing things that are hurtful to me and we're talking about it, but you're completely negating what I'm feeling or going through and you're just making selfish decisions and we keep going into the same issues, then I think we would have to have a talk of this, this is not working out. Well, I guess kind of to the point that Chris made about his previous marriage, sometimes it's things you didn't know before, but there can also be things that you agreed upon previously that the person reneges on because they grew in a different direction. My most important thing is I want to like myself in this relationship. If I get to a place where I hate me and I dread myself, 
because in reflection to what we have, the worst parts of me are coming to the forefront. I wouldn't put you through that. And I don't want Ryu to have a mom and witness her mom in that kind of light. Yeah, that's fair. But it's like any, you don't know exactly the formula that would bring that part out. But when you see it, you're like, that's a showstopper. Yeah. I have to think longevity has something to do with it where you, you hit a certain point where together, you're together, you've been through so much. It's even more sort of costly from a, a relationship pre- perspective, emotionally for each individual to split as opposed to just, you stay together out of familiarity. Yes. Oh, are you saying it's cheaper to keep her? I was trying not to say it that way. <laughs> That's but how you feel. No, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I want to share with you my final thoughts on this matter. But first, can I just say thank you so much to Jared Brady. Jared, as you probably know, has his own podcast with his best friends that is called Enjoy the Podcast. So please go and listen to that. Thank you so much for guesting on this episode. Also, thank you to This Is Lauren Elizabeth on Instagram. Lauren writes the outlines for the episodes where she you know, gives me nice little bios for each of the guests and she never includes herself Um And that has to change. So Lauren has a newsletter that she just launched on maketheshiftcoach.com. And she's doing incredible things on Instagram. She has her monthly book club. And as you know, she is the lead producer on this podcast. She is definitely somebody who is a mandatory follow if you are a fan of Lovers and Friends, a podcast. So again, um, check out This Is Lauren Elizabeth. And that's also a great place to find little bits and pieces of Chris, who's not necessarily a social media person, but thankfully, you know, lends his voice the work that I do. And I'm so, so grateful for that. And speaking of being grateful, Bart and Gio, I'm so grateful for you. And once again, Get Close is their brand new podcast that you're gonna wanna check out right after this episode. Okay, so without further ado, you've kind of gone on this roller coaster ride with me. Here's a fun fact about this podcast it is filmed all over the place. And what I mean by that is that we actually start with the middle and then work our way around it. Um, so we message somebody and say, What do you want to talk about? They identify a topic and then we say, Great, we do this interview. Sometimes the topic that they have identified is what we talk about. And sometimes through the conversation, something else comes to the forefront. And then Lauren and I decide, okay, this episode is about this. So then we think to ourselves, well, who can we talk about this with? You know, who can we utilize this interview that we had as a jump off point for a further discussion with our intimate circle. And then we film the third segment. And then last, I film the beginning segment. So if you're hearing my perspective kind of jump around, it's because we've been jumping around in terms of bits and pieces of time. And where I sit with it today is that keeping divorce on the table as an option is not a healthy option for me and my marriage and my relationship. And I know that. There's a couple of audiobooks that I recently listened to. Um, one is The Mastery of Love. And the second is Simply Will by Will Smith. And both of those have the theme of moving from a fear mindset to a love mindset. The human mind is sick with a disease called fear. Humans live in continuous fear of being hurt. And this creates a big drama wherever we go. The way humans relate to each other is so emotionally painful that for no apparent reason, we get angry, jealous, envious, sad. To even say, I love you, can be frightening. In order to protect our emotional wounds, and because of our fear of being hurt, humans create a big denial system. We put up barriers to keep other people away, but those barriers also keep us inside, restricting our freedom. 
We are simultaneously 100% bound together and 100% free. We agreed that we were both imperfect people doing our best to figure out how to be in this world joyfully. What we needed from each other was unconditional love and support, not judgment, not punishment, but total unbending devotion to each other's growth and well-being. We are learning to cultivate care, concern, and compassion in the most intimate and difficult of circumstances. There are few things in life more challenging than being married. The intimacy tends to stir up and expose our most poisonous inner energies. If we can learn to love here, we can love anywhere. And I recognize in myself that I am on that journey of moving away from fear to love. And I, if you watch my YouTube channel, you'll know that you've seen the shift happen in me. And that's the journey that I'm on right now. And I'm going to be honest with you. I am afraid of letting go of fear. I am afraid of looking stupid. I'm afraid of two years from now, this podcast episode being thrown back in my face because something happened and I have no reason to hold on to this fear. And that's why, despite how uncomfortable it is, I'm willing myself to let go of it. And I am going to attempt to enter into a brand new territory with the person, with my husband, with my Jared Brady of loyalty and of devotion and life partnership, true life partnership. Wish me luck. (laughs) What else is there to say? (laughs) To be continued. Uh, And that's why this podcast is so incredible because we get to keep having the conversations. I'm so grateful. And if you are also having a blast, please reflect that um, by leaving a review. Again, podcasts, there are no view counts. There is no comment section. So that is the way to tell the world that this is something that is worth their 45 minutes plus um, each and every week. So don't be afraid to commit. (laughs) Don't think to yourself, I don't want to leave a review and say it's great because down the line, she might have a bad episode. No, just if you like it now, just know that I'll continue to do the work. And if there's one bad episode, I will put in the work to correct that one and move forward with progress um, and productivity. with your potential in mind. So don't be afraid. Just do it. Leave that. My God, I'm going to stop speaking now. I love you all. Have a great week. Bye. Lovers and friends. I'm going to take you on a trip, baby. I don't pretend. I said, lovers and friends. I'm going to hold you down, down to the end. I said, lovers and friends is executive produced by Shared Entertainment, Shambu Dram and Lauren Morrison. Also produced by Stitcher's Jackie Sojiko, Two West Entertainment, and Workhouse Media. Our mixing engineers are Brendan Burns and Marcus Hom. The Lovers and Friends theme song is produced by Sean Ross and performed by Jared Brady, who also does the scoring and sound design. Jasmine Henley-Brown is the executive producer at More Sauce, and this podcast is powered by More Sauce from Stitcher.